everybody on this beautiful Monday, January 29th, year of our Lord, 2024. And this is Rise Up. Uh, it's always so incredible after a weekend. You know, we don't, we don't do any fellowship together. Uh, we don't uh, chat in a live chat. Um, I mean, I guess if you're in there during the weekend shows you do. But as a, uh, you know, as a Rise Up LFA family, you know, Monday is that day where we reconvene, get back together, uh, fellowship together again, talk about the weekend, get ready for the week. Uh, but one thing is for certain is that we are now in another week um, here on this earth. And that means another week closer to making America godly again, another week closer to making America great again. And maybe, maybe, maybe some more souls, um, some more souls found and, and, and brought to God and so they can experience the same joy that, that we have every single day. And uh, Heidi says, I miss you all during the weekends. Well, we miss you too, Heidi. God bless you and thank you for being here this morning. Um, T.D. Hodges, Jessica O'Brien, thank you for being here this morning. Wayne Davis and Cindy Lauer, God bless you. Arthur Nettler, please pray for the 10,000-plus people in the city of Lapu-Lapu, Philippines. Huge fire destroying one-third of the city going on, like in Maui. Wow. Uh, Arthur, we are so sorry to hear that. Definitely going to keep that in our prayers. Uh, Mazipaws, 
God bless you. Thank you very much for being here this morning. Water Cop is here. Thank you so much, and God bless you. And Eileen Jimenez, thank you so much. Monday, good to see you all. Good to see y'all. She says, well, it's good to see you too. And now we have about 1,000 people already, Eli, 10 minutes into this show, ready for Monday morning worship right here on rumble.com slash LFA. And look, I know that there's a lot of people uh, who are in some having a Monday morning, right? I've seen the messages. I've seen the live chats. I've already spoken to people on the phone who are just having a very hard time getting ready today, getting ready for their, uh, for their calling today, not their comfort, and uh, doing it with a smile on their face, completely trusting in God. So here's what I want to do, okay? I know there's a lot of you out there that feel this way. My wife was one of them. Heck, I was one of them this morning until I prayed and asked for God to help me help everybody else. So here's what I want you to do. It's Monday. All right. It's January 29th. You are here. Not only are you here, but you're alive. Now, you might not be the best version of yourself that you've ever been physically, but darn it, you are the best version of yourself that you've ever been spiritually. So I want you to smile. Okay. Now, I would say force a smile, but you don't have to force a smile when you think of Jesus. You don't have to force a smile when you think of what God did since the beginning of time for us. So do me a favor. Smile. Put that uh, corner of your lip as close as you can to this ear and this corner of your lip as close as you can to this ear and just give a big smile. Show those pearly whites. And if you got dentures, show those pearly dentures. Just smile and look up and say, man, it could be so much worse. But nothing is better than you. Nothing is better than you. I think there's a song. Nothing is better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Remember that song? Better than you. No, there's nothing. Better than you. No, there's nothing. And nothing is better than you. So there's nothing better than God's presence here on earth today. So I want you to shake off those Mondays, okay? Everybody, I know this is like kindergarten here, but I want you to stand up and I want you to shake off those Mondays. I want you to shake off all of that terrible feeling that the devil is trying to bring upon you. I want you to shake off the loneliness and the depression. We're here in God's presence and we're to sit up straight and we're to have some love and we're to have some joy and we're to have some some thanksgiving, okay? Some thanksgiving for God. That's what we're doing today. So let's start off right. Now, I titled today's show, Oh, Eli, I didn't put the title in. Woo! A lot of people are going to be, uh, a lot of people are going to be wondering what the heck's going on. Eli, do me a favor. If you could uh, edit this, put the title. You know what? I'm going to do it right now. I could do it just as fast as I can, uh, as I can have somebody else do it. So the title of today's show is Shake It Off. Shake it off. Right? We just shook it off. Right now, I sent you a uh, I sent you a newsletter. Actually, the title of the newsletter, um, which is going to be the same title as the show. It's not actually shake it off. It's titled you can't shake it. You can't shake it until you do something and then you can shake it off. So that's what the title of the show is going to be today. You can't shake it. I'm going to put it in 
right now. So people that are coming in for the first time, we've been running like crazy here. You can't shake it. And this is Rise Up episode number 280, Eli. Rise Up episode number 280. We'll just leave it at that for right now. At least people will understand kind of what, uh, kind of give them an idea what the show is about. You can't shake it. And what am I talking about? Well, we're going to get to that today. Now, once you get to do this one thing that you'll know at the end of the show, then you can shake it. Then you can shake it off, okay? All right? But right now, we're shaking off the Mondays, and we're going to talk about your comfort zone today. We're going to talk about your comfort zone today. Where your comfort zone is, CQ says you can't shake it until you make it. That's right. Uh, We're going to talk about where your comfort zone is, why you stay in your comfort zone, and what you need to do, like Water Cop and Trisha and Amanda and Meemaw and Lord Fishy, what you need to do to shake that, to shake that, get out of that comfort zone and move on where God wants you to. See, God doesn't, God, when God talks to you, he doesn't want to bring you to your comfort zone. He wants to bring you to your calling. He wants to bring you to what he created you to do. God isn't trying to come here and make things nice and comfortable for you. Jesus didn't say, I came to bring comfort and peace. Jesus said, I came to bring a sword and to divide. Who is he dividing? He's dividing the wheat from the chaff. He's dividing the evil from the righteous. I don't have a newsletter today. Well, I sent out two of them. I'm very sad to hear that you don't have one. Might want to look at all your other folders because a lot of times it goes to promotions or social or trash or or spam or whatever. So, um, Massey Paws said, ha ha, went out and looked for the title. Thank you so much. This is so hard. It really is. Your comfort zone, folks. Majorva says, I don't have a newsletter. First time ever. Well, again, um, let's see here. I just want to see how many people says has opened it. Wow, it actually said 0% have opened it. So maybe there's something wrong and mine has not gone out or maybe it's gone out to everybody's spam. Either way, I'm going to read it for you before we get started. But it does look like nobody has opened up the email. So it looks like it didn't send out or it sent out to everybody's spam instead of their primary. Um, Angel Girl says, if you can't shake it, you can't break it. Did that already. It's okay, Wilson. That means it's not out. That's all. No no newsletter here for the first time, Trisha says. Okay. So for some reason, it didn't send out, but it says it did. So we'll figure that out by the end of the day today. Well, you know what? Let's just go ahead and go to the Lord's Prayer, or go to the Lord in prayer, I should say, and then let's go right to the verse of the day and the newsletter, because you're going to need to understand this as we go through our lesson today on getting out of your comfort zone and what your comfort zone is, and why you stay in it. Because there is a reason. So let's do that now. Let's go to the Lord. How you doing, Joe? Good to see you, man. Joe Bo is in the building. Bob of Atlantis is here. How you doing? All right, folks. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, our Lord and Savior, the Son of Man, the Son of God, Lord, we come to you today 
with humble hearts and smiles on our faces. Knowing that everything that we are, everything that we will be, and everything that we see, hear, touch, smell, and taste is because of you. We know that all good things, all good thoughts, and all moral compasses are from you. And we know because of heavenly wisdom that all bad things, all bad feelings, all bad thoughts are not fruits of the Spirit, but are curses of Satan. So today, Lord, I want us to be able to have discernment between the two and understand that if we want to live a life of one thing, then we need to obey and live a life with you. If we want to leave the door open for bad things to come in because we don't want to leave a comfort zone of our own, then we're only relying on our own understanding. And you tell us not to rely on our own understanding, but in everything we do, put the Lord first because his ways will guide us to greener pastures. Lord, for that reason and that reason alone today, we have a smile on our face. Today, we're going to be talking about our comfort zones and what you tell us to do when we are in a comfort zone and when we have a decision to make. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Yeah, really odd on the newsletter, huh, Eli? It says 0% has gone out. 0% has gone out. So that's probably something on our end. We'll get that fixed by, by tomorrow so that you guys get your newsletters again, okay? But I will read the newsletter for you right now. And it's titled, You Can't Shake It. I said, good morning, happy Monday, and may God bless all your steps today. Today on Rise Up, we're going to be focusing on your comfort zone. So get ready to be uncomfortable. We're going to go to the book of Jeremiah. And we're going to be reading from a very, very famous book, uh, verse, 29, Jeremiah 29, 11. But before we get to that specific verse, let me read to you from understanding the 66 books of the Bible, the book of Jeremiah. The old spiritual. There is a balm in Gilead, says, sometimes I feel discouraged and think my works in vain. But then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. Discouragement is an occupational hazard of ministry. Wow. Wow. Discouragement is an occupational hazard of ministry. But whenever we're downcast, we can turn to Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, and regain our perspective. When Jeremiah was commissioned, the Lord said to him, Quote, prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed. I have made you this day a fortified city and an iron pillar. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you. Jeremiah 1, 17 through 19. Jeremiah's 40-year ministry was centered in Judah, during the reign of the final five kings of Judah, right up until the time Babylon destroyed the city. Jeremiah didn't have an easy task. He was beaten, he was imprisoned, he was thrown into a muddy cistern, his writings were cut up and buried, 
In the end, he was forcibly taken to Egypt, where he apparently died. But he was faithful at every point, sometimes weeping and struggling to understand, but faithful. That's where I get my name from. And through him, God gave the promise of establishing a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, a covenant fulfilled by the shed blood of Jesus. When we do our best for the Lord and have little to show for it, we're companions with Jeremiah. Just as the Lord was with him, he will be with you. God will bless your efforts for his glory. Now, the key thought of this book is God expects expects us to persevere in his work. Even when our heart is broken, our message is rejected, and our happy labor appears vain. Now, the key verse, not the verse of the day today that we're going to be focusing on, but according to this book, the key verse in Jeremiah is verse 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Hence why we have a fellowship here every day where we are walking with Jesus and learning as much as we can. Key action. We must go to all to whom he sends us and speak whatever it is he tells us. And the key prayer, Almighty Lord, remind me that you are the potter and I am the clay. That's a very, very good thing to leave on as we go into 2911, which is the verse of the day. But again, keep into your mind, the key prayer here is, Almighty Lord, remind me that you are the potter and I am the clay. Well, if God's the potter and I'm the clay, then God is molding me. Then the decisions that God has for me, the things that he tells me to do, the things that I just don't want to do, the things that I continue to justify reasons to not do so I can rely on my own ways and my own understanding, that is not what clay does. Clay allows itself to be formed. And that's what God says a Christian is allowed is, should do. A Christian should allow himself, herself, to be formed by the father, by the potter. You cannot form yourself. You are, not an, you are not able to do that. And if you do that, have you seen the clay that goes on the potter wheel? Eli, when it gets all weird and, and, and disformed, and then you just let it go, and then it starts flopping all over the place and becomes this weird, like, doesn't even look recognizable thing. That is what happens when we decide that we've got control. God's sitting there making a perfect, uh, a perfect piece of pottery. And then you come along and you decide to, a piece to fall off. Or you decide you don't like that and you want to be formed a different way. What happens is the whole thing starts getting wobbly and then it just falls off the table altogether. And it's this unrecognizable mess. Something that God was not forming to begin with at all. So now, having that in your mind, let's go into... Jeremiah 29, 11, which says this, for I know what plans I have in mind for you. I mean, if he's the, if he's the potter and we're the clay, for I know what plans I have in mind for you, says Adonai, says God, plans for well-being, not for bad things, so that you can have hope and a future. When you call to me and pray to me, 
I will listen to you. He'll only listen to you if you're in communion with him. He'll only listen to you if you're walking with him and what you pray for is his will and is of righteousness, not of unrighteousness and your will. Lifelike said, I started a pottery class recently and this is an excellent analogy. Thank you. Folks, I want to explain something to you here. Your comfort zone. Before I get too deep into this, I'm going to bring some ve- something very heavy to you. All right? Two things. Here we go. Number one. Since God's plans are not your plans, and since God's plans for your, cre- your calling, the reason he created you, not your comfortability is very different from the way you think it's going to be. When you become a Christian and you start following God, you start getting away from what you thought was the way to live. You start stepping away from things that you thought were a priority, and you start placing his priorities in your path so that you can please him so that God will give to you and guide you to your calling. Amen? We all know that, right? Check this out. You want to hear something heavy? I saw this video where this guy was telling his testimony. And I can't wait to see how many of you can relate to this. Share and Share the video. And give us a thumbs up and a rumble if you can. The guy said, he was talking to, uh, no. Yeah, he was giving his testimony. And he said, I prayed and prayed and prayed for God to take away all my enemies. Everybody that was against me. Now, this guy had a hard life. Apparently, every decision this guy made in his life led him down another path of a bunch of people in his life, hurting him, wronging him, not being loyal to him. So he made a lot of enemies along the way. And he said, I prayed for months for God to take away my enemies and give me a clear path to my joy, to happiness in my life. Do you know what he said God did in response to that prayer? Said he took away all of his friends. The man asked for God. The man begged and pleaded in prayer for God to remove the enemies in his life. And God removed all of his friends. That, that hits you, doesn't it? Real Christians out there that are walking a real journey with Jesus, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? That's heavy. God's plans are not your plans. Your comfortable life, your familiarity, 
the people that you've been around day in and day out might just be the very reason that you are not experiencing your true calling. He prayed for God to remove his enemies and God removed every friend that he had in his life. Now are you starting to get an understanding of how much God's ways are not our ways? Mazzy Paul says, Jeremy has showed me how to go outside of my comfort zone to say God bless you to people that I come in contact with. Thank God. All glory goes to God. That's amazing. Starman says, maybe all of his friends were enemies. That's exactly the point. They were all very wrong for him. They were not righteous people, and they were leading him into a life of unhappiness. Jay Gizme says, wow, that hits home. Lifelike says, wow, that hits hard. Now you ready for this one? You ready for another one? Friend of mine. Talking to an atheist. And you guys know that atheist um, argument when you are having a theological discussion with an atheist. And I'm not talking about an agnostic. I'm talking about an atheist. Because you get that same argument from every atheist and it is this. You expect me to believe that your Christian God is the one true God. Yes, exactly. Well, how, back to the atheist. Well, how do you expect me to believe that your Christian God is the one true God when there are Muslims and there are Buddhists and there are, you know, people that believe in Scientology So you're trying to get me to A, believe in a God, and B, you're trying to get me to make me believe that your God is the right God. How am I supposed to know which God is the true and rightful God? And do you know what his answer was, Eli, to the atheist who said, how are you going to tell me Or what are you going to make me, how are you going to make me believe which one is the real true God? If there's a God, how are you going to make me believe which one is the real true one and only true God? You know what his answer was? It's the one you hate. His answer was the one you hate is the one true God. Do you know that that left that atheist sitting there, not even with his jaw open, not even with a look on his face, left him like a deer in headlights? He had no idea how to answer that question. He had no idea how to rebut that statement. He said, the one true God that exists is the one that can manifest so much hatred in your heart for him that he must exist. The one that you run from, the one that you hate, the one that you sneer at, the one that gives you that stomach feeling, that feeling in your stomach of sickness when you hear his name, 
or when you hear somebody referring to that God, that's the real one. And that left that guy like this. Left him like Mitch McConnell, Eli, like Mr. Freeze, just sitting there like this. How do you answer that? How do you, how do you, I mean, not how do you answer that? How do you come back knowing that Christ, the real one true God, just used that man to convict you in a way that you have never been convicted because it shot the bullet right back in your stomach? What do you say to that? Because you know darn well that he knows you hate Yahweh and the Christian God. You know that you hate Yahweh and the Christian God and Jesus. Everybody that was in that area knew that you hated the Christian God and Jesus and Yahweh. So when he said to you, the one you hate, there was nothing that you could say other than feel conviction. Boy, that took him out of his comfort zone real quick, didn't it? Just like God wants to take you out of your comfort zones with all of your so-called friends in your life that are keeping you from your calling. That's right. The people that you associate yourself with are the people that you will become, is the person that you will ultimately become. And God wants you to step outside of your comfort zone. Remember back when Rise Up first started and a lot of people would not say God bless you to people that they came in contact with on a daily basis? Do you remember when Rise Up first started and people would not wear a uh, you can't beat God shirt out in public because they were afraid of the looks that they would get? And now, and now folks, we're wearing rapture ready stuff. We got rapture ready shirts and hats on, letting people know that not only are we not afraid any longer to speak about the gospel of Christ, not only are we no longer afraid to step outside of comfort zones to go to our real calling, but now we are actually loudly and proudly screaming that we are rapture ready. And we know you want to be too. That's the thing. Their soul, non-believers, unbelievers, agnostics, Atheists, their soul longs for Jesus. It longs for God. They want a relationship with him too. But they are so stuck under this filter of Satan that they think that their comfort zone and their goodness and their works and their moral compass is the right way. So they don't know another way. They don't feel like they're lost. They don't feel like they're lost. How do you explain to somebody who's lost that they are lost when they think that they're, that they're right where they should be? How do you explain that to somebody? Very difficult. So let me now read to you, as we approach 1,600 people here on Rise Up, what I wrote today for today's verse. Has God ever weighed something on your heart so heavy that no matter what you do or how much you try to ignore it, you just can't? That's what happened to me with Rise Up. It seems like nothing that you do helps you shake that feeling, right? 
It keeps pestering you. It keeps poking you. It keeps prodding you. Every second, every hour of every day. The reason why you can't, why you ignore that poking and pestering and prodding is because you don't want to do what it says to do. That's why. However, it's not about you. That voice, that feeling that you can't seem to shake that keeps prodding and poking you like my dream about my grandfather that I was telling you guys about last week. That's God. That's God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, reaching out to you constantly trying to get your attention. See, it's not about you. It's about him. And it's about his commandments. And it's about his timing. And it's about his plans. It means that you and him, you know that, that ignoring that you're doing to him? The poking and the prodding that you're just not listening to and you're like, yeah, not right now. Not right now. That means you and him are not on the same page together. And you are trying to lean on your own understanding. That's God trying to pull you out of your comfort zone. Wherever that may be. Do you think Noah might have felt a little uncomfortable? About building a massive ark and the world was going to flood and everybody was telling him and his family that they were crazy. They were probably getting death threats and taunted constantly. You think that was comfortable for Noah? Do you think Abraham was comfortable wandering around, not knowing where in the heck he and his family and the people that he knew and loved were going? Abraham had no idea where he was going or moving his family. And I guarantee you, uh, Abraham was not comfortable. You think Sarah was comfortable knowing that she was going to have a baby, being as old as a grandma? Imagine that. Imagine being as old as Sarah. I'm like, I'm going to be pregnant, have a baby? Yeah, that's a comfortable feeling. Now, the end-all, be-all is comfortable. I'm going to have a child. But at that age, having to go through that, probably wasn't too comfortable. What about David? You think David was comfortable? You think David was ready as a person? You don't think he was scared in any way? Of course he was. Now he knew and he had enough faith to know that God was going to bring him through it, but I bet it wasn't a comfortable situation knowing that little David was going to have to go fight Goliath, who was four times his size and had all the experience in the world. What about Gideon facing such a large army? Think that was comfortable? What about Moses having to go back to Egypt where he fled from? Go back there and stand in front of the powerful Pharaoh and say, yeah, give me this now and demand something. You think that 
was comfortable for him? What about Jesus? You think Jesus was comfortable in the Garden, garden of Gethsemane? You think when Jesus was sweating droplets of blood and asking God if there is another to take this from me, please take this from me, but if it is your will, then let your will be done. Do you think Jesus was comfortable carrying that heavy cross while he was getting beat, tortured, spit on, accused, mocked? No. Can't imagine they all were. God is telling you to do something right now that is very uncomfortable for you. You know it. However, even though it's very uncomfortable for you, it's very righteous. God does not call you to do the unrighteous. God calls you to do the righteous, and even though it's uncomfortable, it is your calling. God's not calling you to comfort. He's calling you to your calling. Why you were created in the first place. There's something in your life that you need to do that you know is uncomfortable for you to do. And it goes against everything that you've ever, ever thought. That's God telling you it's time. It is time. Whatever it is. If you have to admit something. If you have to tell somebody something. If you have to start doing something that you know God wants you to do. That's today. Or you're going to live with it. And it's going to hurt. It's going to dig deeper. Might even destroy people around you. So if you've ever wondered why you can't shake whatever that is. Well, it's because it's from God. And it's because it's righteous. It's because it's from God and it's because it's righteous. Now, you can try to justify your way out of whatever it is as long as you want. I've been there. I'm still there on certain things. But in the end, your life will continue to be, in those areas, depressing and incomplete because you didn't leave your comfort to find your calling. Today, it's time for us to leave our comfort and find our calling. That's what today is. Today, it's time to leave our comfort, find our calling, and do what we were created to do. And since we're talking about leaving your comfort, let's bring you all the comfort you're going to need on this Monday with our friend, Ray Comfort. Enjoy. How do you know there's an afterlife? How do you know the Bible's the Word of God? Is there any way to know for sure? I believe faith is um, the number one thing that's, um, that's important about it. Let me play skeptic. If I said to you, I don't want to have blind faith. I, want, I don't want to have faith. I want something concrete. Is there anything concrete we can give somebody who wants to hang their intellectual hat on? Let me give you an example. You ever study Bible prophecy? Uh, not really. Yeah, do you know the book of Ezekiel? 
speaks of the nations that will come down and attack Israel in the last days. And the prophet actually named the nations, and we can see that happening on the news. The fact that God knows the future and he's put his future in his word is evidence that the Bible is the word of God, and you can trust his promises. And his promises for everlasting life. Your name is Sincere, is that right? Yes. Do you believe there's an afterlife? I think so, yeah. I, like, I believe in like reincarnation and stuff. You believe in God? Yes. Do you think hell exists? Uh, yes. Where are you going when you die? I don't really know. It's up to God, really. Shouldn't you find out? Yeah. Could you be going to hell? No, I don't believe so. Are you sure about that? I hope so. Are you a good person? Yes, I am a good person. You know, the Bible says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? That's speaking the presence of God. It says, He that has clean hands and a pure heart. Is your heart pure? I, I think it's pure. Do you think you're a good person? I like to say I am. Okay, let me see if I can change your mind. Jesus said, there's none good but God. Who's lying, you or Jesus? Ooh. Oh, gotcha. It's the story of the rich young ruler. There's none good. And let me show you God's standard of goodness. It means moral perfection and thought, word, and deed. So let's see if you're a good person. How many lies have you told in your life? Definitely a few. Stolen anything? I have. So you're a lying thief? Uh, I guess so. You still think you're a good person? Probably not. You know, the purpose of the Ten Commandments is to bring the knowledge of sin. Most people think, ah, oh, God gave us Ten Commandments as a standard to live by. No, it's a standard we don't live by. When Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, he showed us God's standard. The Bible says of the Messiah, he would magnify the law, into the moral law, the Ten Commandments, and make it honorable. Let me show you what he did. He said, you've heard it said by them of old, you shall not commit adultery. That's the Seventh Commandment. And then he said, but I say to you, whoever looks upon a woman to lust for her has committed adultery already with her in his heart. Did you know that? Uh, I do. Have you looked with lust? Uh, I say I have. Many times? Many times. Have you ever used God's name in vain? I believe so. Do you love your mum? 100%. Would you ever use her name as a cuss word? Never. Never, because you respect her. 100%. You don't respect the God that gave you a mother. You took his holy name and used her in the place of a filth word to express disgust. Godly Jews won't write God's name down because it's so holy, and you've used it in blasphemy. Very serious. So here's a summation, Sincere. This is for you to judge yourself for Judgment Day. You've told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, fornicating, adulterer at heart, and you're self-righteous, which is a sin in God's eyes, and saying you're a good person. When it's obvious you're not, you're like the rest of us. So if God judges you by the Ten Commandments, we've looked at four on Judgment Day, will you be innocent or guilty? I'll be guilty. Heaven or hell? Hell. What do you think you have to do to avoid the damnation of hell? Uh, devote my heart to God and not really do all that stuff I did from the past. Kind of. Have you ever heard the gospel? I don't, I don't really know. So the law is bringing to you a knowledge of sin, so you can see how serious sin is in God's eyes. Ever heard the Bible verse, the wages of a sin is death? I think I have, but I think I need to be reminded about that. It's a very famous verse, Romans 6.23, and it's saying God is paying you in death your sins. Like a judge who looks at a criminal who's committed murder, but he keeps saying, I'm a good person, judge. The judge says, I'm going to show you how serious your crime is. I'm giving you the death sentence. This is your wages. This is what you've earned. And Jonathan's sin is so serious to our holy God, he's given you the death sentence. Your death will be evidence to you that God is deadly serious about sin, and you've earned your wages. So on Judgment Day, if God judges you by those Ten Commandments, will he be innocent or guilty? Most likely guilty. Absolutely guilty. Heaven or hell? Since I'm guilty, most likely hell. 
You know, the Bible says all liars will have their part in the lake of fire, no thief, no blasphemer, no adulterer will inherit God's kingdom. So can you see that you're in big trouble? Yes, sir. So what can you do to get right with God? Uh, confess that Jesus is Lord. He died on the cross for our sins and um, it resurrected three days later. At the moment you're under God's wrath, heading for hell, how can the death of Jesus on the cross help you 2,000 years later? He died for our sins and... What does that mean? for us to have eternal life with him, or a chance at eternal life with him. A chance? Let me share the gospel with you, and it'll be a relief to you. Jonathan, if you can get a grip of this, it's going to change everything for you. The Ten Commandments are called the moral law. You and I broke the law, Jesus paid the fine. That's what happened on that cross. That's why he said, it is finished, just before he died. He was saying, paid in full. If you're in court and you've got speeding fines, a judge will let you go if someone pays those fines. Even though you're guilty, you say, got a lot of fines here, but you can leave because someone's paid them. And it's legal. Well, God can take the death sentence off you. He can legally let you live forever, all because of what Jesus did on the cross for his death and resurrection. And all you have to do, according to the Bible, to find everlasting life is repent of your sins and trust in Jesus. Do you know what repentance is? Gets your sins away, right? Yeah, you turn from sin. You can't say I'm a Christian, but you lie and fornicate and blaspheme and look at porn. That's just deceiving yourself, playing the hypocrite. So you've got to be genuine. You've got to be sincere. And then you trust in Jesus like you trust a parachute. You don't just believe in a parachute. You put your faith into it. The second you repent and trust in Jesus, God will wash you clean of your sins, grant you everlasting life as a free gift, and he'll give you your own personal miracle. You'll suddenly want to please the God that gave you life more than anything. The Bible puts it this way, God says, I'll write my law upon your heart and cause you to walk in my statutes. In other words, he'll make you want to do the things that please him, and that's your own personal miracle. Is this making sense? Yes. You're going to think about what we talked about today? Oh, yeah, a lot. If you're going to jump out of a plane 10,000 feet, why would you put on a parachute? It's a way of safety. Yeah, you don't want to die. And your motivation is fear. And that fear is your friend, not your enemy, because it's making you put on a parachute. And Jonathan, because I love you, I've tried to put the fear of God in you today. I've tried to make you scared, hoping you'll see that fear as your friend, not your enemy, because it'll make you serious with God and drive you to the foot of the cross where you'll find everlasting life. Is this making sense? Yes, sir. You're going to think about what we talked about? 100%. Have you ever truly repented with a knowledge of how serious sin is? Because today that law has brought the knowledge of sin, it stirred your conscience, my suspicion is that in the past you've been a little flippant about sin and haven't found a place of genuine sorrow and true repentance, and that's been your problem. Would that be right? I'll say so. Are you sorry for your sins now? 100%. Are you ready to repent and trust in Jesus with all your heart and not your goodness? Yes, sir. Can I pray with you? Yes. Father, I pray for Jonathan. Thank you for his open heart today and the fact that he's listened and that his conscience was tender. I pray this day... You'll find a place of true contrition, sorrow for sin, and genuine repentance. Be born again and pass from death to life, all because of your wonderful mercy and your amazing grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You tearing up? Yeah, a little bit. Look at that. Look at that. You know wow. what that is? That's contrition. Do you know what contrition is? Yes. Yeah, contrition is a genuine sorrow for your sins. And the Bible says a contrite heart God will not despise. So every tear is precious in God's eyes because it shows the genuineness of your faith in Him and your desire to get right with Him. 
Do you have a Bible at home? Um, I have the app on my phone. Uh, a physical Bible, no. I'm going to give you a Gospel of John, which is the fourth book in the New Testament. A book I've written called Volatile, which names the nations that God said would attack Israel, and it'll boost your faith in the Word of God. And I'm going to give you a little booklet called Save Yourself Some Pain, Principles of Christian Growth. That's the Gospel of John. Looks like a bundle of money, but it's more precious than all the money in the world. Volatile, the nations that the Bible says will attack Israel in the latter days. So when are you going to repent and put your faith in Jesus? Starting today. You serious? Yes. So you're giving up the battle and you're saying, God, I need your mercy. Are you sorry for your sins? Yeah, I'm very sorry for my sins. Can I pray with you? Yes. Father, I pray for Sincere that this day he'll find a place of true sorrow for sin and genuine repentance and he'll catch a glimpse of your holiness and what you did on the cross, that he might be saved from wrath. And this day, as he repents and trusts in you, may he be born again with a new heart and new desires and find peace with you and the gift of everlasting life, all because of your kindness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Dear God, uh, I'm sorry for all the sins I did. Wow. And I wanted to repent all my sins and give my heart to you because I, I love you. I know you're going to watch over me because you keep giving me all these chances and I, I, I've been taking it for granted. So I want to start today of uh, giving my heart to you and repent because uh, I want to go to heaven. And also I want you to um, watch over me and keep on watching over me. Can I give you a book that I've written called Scientific Facts in the Bible? Yes. Thank you. You made my day. Made me really think about life. Wow. Thank God. Wow. Real quick, here are three things to... Wow, 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 wow. Two people. Two people. Saved. Right there. Now, do they go on and be saved? Well, that's the great thing about Ray, is Ray will go back and find these people, and he'll talk to them, and he'll see where they are in their lives. And most, most of these cases end up with people giving their life to Christ and walking with Jesus. So if Ray is out there bringing two people to, 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 to Christ in one day, imagine the angels in heaven rejoicing. Imagine. Now, Bob made a good point. Why are the churches so low in attendance today if evangelizing is working? Evangelizing on the street and spontaneous worship is growing like a wildfire. Attendance in churches are going down in some churches, but are going way up in others. Jesus is separating the wheat from the chaff, my friend. Those churches that are, hypo that are hypocrite churches, they're all about the money, barely doing anything outside their walls as far as mission work and helping the community, they're going down. But those people that have Christ at the center, they're going up. And what Ray is doing is exactly what we should all be doing. We should all be doing exactly what Jesus told us to do, spreading the gospel, spreading the words that Jesus taught, referring back to Jesus, referring back to the Bible, basically being a middleman for the information. You don't have to call yourself a teacher. I don't. I say I'm on my journey with Jesus. Come along with me. I'm sure you'll, you'll learn something. That's what it is. Let's all go along together. Let's all walk together on this journey with Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, folks, what a great show we had today. I think today was a really wonderful show, and I'm going to leave you the same way I brought you in with some great music by Brandon Lake and Phil Wickham. So God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for understanding my journey. Thank you for being patient with my journey. I very much love the, um, the back and forth in the chat. That's why I love podcasts. 
more than like news stations because it's far more interactive. You know what I mean? So ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a holy, holy, holy and joyful rest of your Monday. We've got Mike Crispy and Unafraid. Producer uh, Eli just put the link in the chat if you want to watch his show coming up next. Remember, folks, shake it off. And if you can't shake it off, it means, well, maybe you're trying to stay in your comfort zone. Step out of that comfort zone. Shake it off. Find something new and find your calling. God bless you all. I love you more than you know. Have a great rest of your morning, and I'll see you for two hours on Live from America at 11 o'clock. See you later, guys. Bye-bye.